You're listening to Freedom Disciple On Demand. Up to eight on Brexit, chaos in Paris, and what does never again actually mean? Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I want to start today's show over this side of the pond for a change, because there are certain topics we need to discuss because they're going to affect you as the American people, they're going to affect the culture, they're going to affect your politics, they're going to affect potentially Donald Trump, they're going to affect the world economy, and they need to be understood what's actually happening right now. And I want to start by talking about what's happening in the United Kingdom and the potential for chaos that we are about to see. There's a chance we won't see chaos, but there's a a large chance we will. And I want to talk to you today, not from my opinion per se, but through a series of events and make the argument for you, and also make a factual case of what is actually happening. So Brexit. The only way you can talk about Brexit is by understanding what actually it is. Brexit was the English people saying they wanted out of the European Union. The problem that you have to you see today is when people discuss Brexit, they don't understand the, the time of the vote and why it was so monumental. The media don't get it. The politicians don't get it. A lot of people just want to change. When Brexit was happening, when the campaign was happening before everyone voted, the political establishment, you had the Conservative Party led by David Cameron, you had the Labour Party by Jeremy Corbyn, They don't agree on a whole lot of things, but on Brexit, they agreed. You had the whole political establishment coming together saying, we need to remain in the European Union. And all these, there was a lot of fear-mongering, there was a lot of different um, tactics used by the Remainers. And what happened? The English people voted, and they voted in large numbers to leave the European Union. I remember I wrote a column for Glenn at the time, was like, this is a great opportunity for freedom. It's a great opportunity to understand man should rule himself. Sadly, things haven't turned out that way. Credit where credit's due. David Cameron was the Prime Minister at the time, was very vocal about remaining. He stood down. Then what happened? Theresa May became Prime Minister. Theresa May, who wanted to remain in the European Union. That was the first big problem with this. It's like... People don't seem, don't seem to, I don't hear anyone talk about it, why Theresa May is not the person to lead the United Kingdom. It's not because she's a woman, it's not because of who she is or because of her policies, which I have major disagreements with, by the way. It's because she didn't want to leave Brexit, she didn't want to leave the European Union. The reason this is a big deal is, how can you expect someone to get a good deal when you don't want it? 
I always say to this, this is like the comparison. Imagine hiring me. John, I want to hire you. Okay, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to write common sense gun control. I'm not the man for the job. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not. I'm, 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 I'm not going to do a good job of that. But uh, John, I have a job for you. What? I want you to write Trump's new tariffs policy. Not the guy. I would openly admit it. I'm not the guy. I'm a free market guy. Not going to work. A free market person is not going to write a good tariff package. Why? Because they're at polar opposites. You want different things. You see the world a different th- way. What logically should have happened is because Brexit was the number one political issue in the United Kingdom, logic would have dictated that the next Prime Minister after David Cameron stepped down was a person who wanted Brexit to get the best Brexit deal. That didn't happen. The political establishment spoke and you got Theresa May. Let's fast forward to today. There is a lot of politics going on right now. And there have been a series of votes in the House of Parliament this week in the United Kingdom. And Theresa May has put forward three bills and lost three times. Now, put the Parliament, while it's slightly different to the way America set up, imagine Paul Ryan or Ke- Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell putting up three bills in a GOP-led House or Congress and or Senate and losing three times. How, what's his job security like? Not good. Theresa May's job security is hanging on by a tread right now. Right now, there is a plan that Theresa May has got. She went to the European Union. They agreed a deal. They agreed this Brexit deal. My opinion on it, just not this is taken away from the facts, just on a sidebar, is I don't think it's a good deal for the United Kingdom. I think it's a great deal for Europe. Bad deal for the United Kingdom. But that's getting off topic. They've agreed a deal. Theresa May has decided and is going out there in the media going, listen, it's my deal or no deal or no Brexit. Not the best way to get people to vote for you, I don't think. Not consensus building, not listening to objections, just going out there, my deal or nothing. Takes a lot of arrogance to say that. What is going to happen in the United Kingdom over the next couple of weeks? Let me explain them to you and lay them out for you, all the different scenarios, because there are many different scenarios and many different paths the United Kingdom could walk on. First of all, maybe the cabinet were wrong when they recommended Theresa May not bring this bill forward, because they said, if you bring this bill forward to Parliament, it's going to lose, and that would be four big defeats in a week, or maybe two. Maybe they're all wrong. Maybe, you know, there's a bit of, you know, conjoling or a bit of, you know, whispering in the ear of, you know, you got to see sense, brother, you got to vote the right way on this. Maybe that happens. And everything I'm about to say after this doesn't happen. There's a great, maybe there's a chance of that. I don't know. Logic would say not really much of a chance, but there's always a chance. You know, politicians do things. You know, if you've been around politics, politicians are the same in England, they're the same in Ireland, the same in the United Kingdom, or same in Australia. Politicians are politicians. They will do what's best for them and what gets them re-elected. So let's, first scenario, she gets her bill passed, and then there's Brexit, and then it's that deal. And then you got to deal with the fallout with that. However, there's a chance it fails. What happens if it fails? Well, Theresa May can then have... Sit down and go. Okay, that bill failed. We need to get another bill. There meet. There is an EU summit on December thirteenth. 
she could go to the EU leaders and go, look, I brought this plan that we all agreed. Didn't work. Parliament didn't go for it. We need to renegotiate and get these concerns dealt with A, B, C, D, or if she wants to get the concerns dealt with, or if she just wants to do a whole new deal. One of the key dates you have to bear in mind of this is March 2019. March 2019 is when England has to leave the European Union. That's when, under Article 50 of the Constitution, that was the deadline they set. So if you can imagine, just think about how these are logically with politicians and faffing around and media spin and there's obviously Christmas and New Year, you know, Parliament will shut down. How likely is it if if Theresa May has to go to the European Union on December 13th, get a new deal, get them to agree, hopefully get Parliament to agree, that you get out by March 2019? You can answer that question. There's also the chance that, you know what, that new deal doesn't work either. They don't like it. They don't want it. They go, no. That'd be five times. There's then an opportunity for Parliament to take control of it. What Parliament could do is you could get all the different politicians from different parties, from different ideologies, from different layouts, and go, this is the plan we want. And kind of do, you know, ever who which gets the most consensus building gets the biggest majority until it gets a majority of votes. Then it could happen that you say no to that as well. How likely is it the Parliament gets control? If you've been around politics long enough and you can imagine, you know, the Senate, it's not like the Senate, it's like the House in in the US. Would you, if you just had the Senate, or sorry, the House, just making bills without any, you know, consensus of leadership, do you think it would work? You know, you'd have 10,000 different bills. Again, you can pick up your own mind and make up your own mind for that. I don't know how well that would work. There's a chance they get a great deal. There's a chance it won't. Parliament gets control. Parliament brings it to a vote. If it gets a majority, it passes. If it doesn't, it doesn't happen. There's also another angle to lose on this, which I just kind of hinted at a few seconds ago. If Paul Ryan lost four votes in a row in a week, is he still House Speaker? Speaker of the House? Or is there someone chomping at his heels going, Buddy, you've lost the House. Let's go. You're seeing this in America right now with Nancy Pelosi. There's a lot of unhappiness about Nancy Pelosi. Now, she passed her first sort of test, but there's a chance Nancy Pelosi is not the next Speaker of the House. In the UK and in parliamentary systems, you have a, a term called a vote of no confidence. In the United Kingdom and the United Kingdom Parliament, it's similar to the way America is set up, but there's also some key difference in a parliamentary system. The One of the big differences is... You can have a system in in the United Kingdom or two main parties. There's the Conservatives and there's the Labour. It's like Republicans and Democrats. There is a chance they have enough people with the majority to form their own government. You know, the Republicans did this up until the last elections and now the Democrats will do this. But in the United Kingdom, because there's so many different parties, there's a chance that neither party can form a majority, so they have to do what they call a coalition government. This government right now with Theresa May is a coalition government. It's the coalition between the Conservatives of the United Kingdom and the DUP, which is a Northern Ireland party. Right now, there are 48 letters from Tory MPs, which is the Conservative party, submitting a letter of no confidence on Theresa May. If she was to lose a fifth vote, Do you think that number of no confidence is going to go up or going to go down? There is a chance the DUP is going to pull its support from this government because it's not happy. And side with the vote of no confidence. What happens then? 
Well, if it gets to a vote of no confidence, it goes to a parliamentary vote and two things can happen. Theresa May still has confidence with the majority. Right now, if you're betting man, this again, I'm only just saying my, spoiler alert, this is my opinion, not fact. If a vote of no confidence was to happen now, I think she might lose. So she's ousted as Prime Minister. What happens then? Well, a couple of things to bear in mind. It takes on average between 10 and 12 weeks to hire a new leader. So we're now at the 8th of December. 8th of December, if she loses this vote, let's say the 15th of December. 15th of December, you're going to walk into Christmas. 10 weeks, let's say they do it real efficiently. You're looking at the end of February to hire a new leader and a new prime minister. Do you think it's likely you have a month, maybe less than a month, to organize Brexit, to find your feet as the new prime minister, to organize Brexit, to agree Brexit, and to get out by March? Think that's likely? There is also a, a spoiler alert here that there is a chance some of this could be subverted. And we'll come back to this later on when I want to talk to you about a couple of things. But there is a chance the EU and the United Kingdom could agree, in principle, to extend Article 50 of their constitution, which is Brexit, and extend it. It could be extended for a few months or even a couple of years if needed. Depends on what they feel is needed to get Brexit across the line. There are a couple of other scenarios which you need to bear in mind. One is potentially a bit scary. If the Tories lose the uh, the vote of no confidence, or sorry, Theresa May loses the vote of no confidence, the Tories then have 14 days to form a government and win a vote of another vote of no confidence. They also could do a establishment, try and form a you know cross party government in you know the national unity, you know where we all have to come together. You know, we have to come together because this is a crisis. You could have that. Or you could also have Labour trying to form another coalition government. Maybe they form with DUP. Maybe they form with another party. Maybe they more likely they'd form with the SNP, which is the Scottish, the Scottish Nationalist Party. There is a chance many scenarios could happen here. Or there's also a chance of something else. There's a chance of a general election. So let's go through all these in what I think is most likely. Again, this is my opinion based on facts. So take this with a grain of salt. Let's go through them one by one. Does the deal pass that Theresa May is going to do? I'm going to say no. I could be wrong. I don't think it's going to pass. Do I think she's going to get another deal off the EU? No. And let me explain to you why. One of the things you have to understand about this deal is this deal upset a lot of people. You see, in Europe, Europe is like, you have your politicians in your own country, and then you have your politicians in the European Union, then you have like the the legislators and the regulators, you know, all the people who pull the strings. And what you have in Europe was built historically on a really good idea of where you had the World War II, and, you know, you need to interconnect. You need to be more... European, you know, you cannot have all these wars. So it's based on a, a decent enough principle where, you know, you find that, you know, you're not that much different. Yeah, you have your own national identity, but you're not that much different. You all live on the one continent. Let's have peace. 
and they integrated society and that potentially at, at its at its start was pretty good then they started integrating economies and started integrating parliaments and started integrating control and they came up with the European Union and basically the European Union now tells you what height your high heels can be in a hairdresser's no joke they control a lot of stuff so let me give you this term in business terms. Imagine you, just imagine you and your closest friends. And you're all in business. And you all do, you don't compete with each other, but you all do different lines of business. Let me give you an example. Let's just take something simple, a car. You, one of you builds engines. One of you builds seats and designs fancy seats for the cars. One of you does the windows. One of you does the metal. One of you does painting. And you're all this partnership and you've all come together. And you've come together because you're like, hey, look, we're all in the, together in this. We're all the same. Yeah, we have different focuses and different opinions and stuff. But let's just form this partnership. Let's just all be one. Let's amalgamate all our thoughts and ideas. And let's say you invest your time in, in someone else's business because, you know, we're all part of the partnership and they invest time in your business. And you invest taxes and in your, not taxes, but money. And all of a sudden, one member, let's just say the, the seat guy. Let's say there's more fancy end seats. It's not the, you know, not your run-of-the-mill everyday economy car. They're more sporty cars. And it's sitting there going, you know what? I'm paying a lot of money and a lot of time into this this partnership. And I'm not getting much of it. And I don't really like it. And, and you telling me how to run my business? Just, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, not down with that anymore. And let's say a few new employees came in and you're like, you're telling my employees how to work. You don't know anything about my employees and how to build seats. You bet you you do metal, you do windows, you do engines. You may be great at your individual sector, but I know my own sector. You don't need to tell me how to run my business. I'll do that. And let's say over a period of time, the employees and the managers and the staff got really annoyed. And they go, you know what? This partnership just isn't working for me. And they decide to leave. What do you think the response is to the other members of the partnership who are left? Do you think they're going to be bitter or do you think they're going to be, hey, good for you. You don't like our partnership anymore. The best of luck to you. I hope you succeed. Or is there in the back of their minds, you know, the thoughts that we don't ever say? Is there going to be this thing of, man, they left. We have to make it as hard as possible for them to leave. Make it as hard as possible. Because what happens if they leave? And they start doing really, really well. Other people in the partnership might get happy. Discord might start spreading. Unhappiness. They might go, hey, I'm better by myself as well. So in that scenario, is it best for the businesses that stayed part of the partnership to really you know, help that person and give them a good deal to leave the partnership? Or is it in their interest, their selfish interest, for their own power and their own profit to make sure they get screwed. When it comes to organizing a new deal, the European Union have been very crystal clear. This deal or nothing. This deal or nothing. So do I see a new deal coming? No. I don't see the European Union playing ball at all. Parliament could take control. It could get the greatest deal for Britain ever. I don't see the European Union agreeing to it. The next option that could happen with this is there could be a second referendum. Which would be interesting. Now just imagine yourself as someone who voted for Brexit. 
Maybe you were lukewarm on Brexit, but you know, you just went along with it. And you see all the things that have happened over the last couple of years, and then there's a second referendum. Are you going to be more likely or less likely to get involved, to volunteer, to ensure? Are you going to be more annoyed or less annoyed at your politician? You know, there's a joke over here in Ireland about Irish politicians and second referendums. Because Ireland's had many referendums over the years, and on certain big politicians, one I think was about the European Union. I know one was. I can't remember the second one was. It was the Lisbon Treaty. And all the political establishment said, you got to vote this way. And the Irish people voted the other way. And then there was a second referendum, and then the Irish people then voted. Correct. Congratulations, Ireland. In the second referendum, you voted the right way. Good for you. And there's this line in, in Ireland where it's like, you know what, it doesn't really matter what the first referendum says, only about what the second. Only about what the second. Now, that's only in certain things. That's only when you go against the political establishment. Like when gay marriage was passed on the first vote, when abortion was passed on the first vote, it doesn't matter. That's Those first ballots count. But if Ireland had voted the wrong way, I don't think it would have been just accepted, oh, well, that's the will of the people. I would have said, it's going to happen to a second one, and then they'll vote the right way. Because Irish people, will. it may take them time, but they will do the right thing, according to the political establishment. There is a chance of a general election. But let me just ask you a question. The problem the United Kingdom has right now is there are no leaders. There are no principal people. You have the leader of Labour Party, Jeremy Corbyn, who, if there is one terrorist out there whose grave he hasn't visited or hasn't said sympathetic things about, I've yet to find him. Now, there is a bit of sarcasm in that. He's not that bad. But he is friendly and laid wreaths at Hamas graves, at different terrorist graves. He has... He has sided with, you know, Irish terrorists. So, you know, he's not exactly a stellar guy. This is a guy who turned up to the World War, World War II Memorial, an armistice, wearing a Mac. And if you don't know what a Mac is, just think of a, a cheap taddy overcoat with a hood. Not a suit. Not like a, you know, not like those overcoats that, like, President Trump wears. You know, the big long coat. No, not respectful like that. No, just a Mac. The guy is an out-and-out communist in many ways. Who's the great leader from the Conservatives? I couldn't even tell you. If Theresa May is ousted, I couldn't even tell you who's the next great leader. It'll be someone else. But what happens if you get to a general election, which is possible, and once again, it's a hung parliament. It's a, a coalition parliament. Then you have the last and potentially most disastrous option where the United Kingdom don't agree to a Brexit deal the European Union don't agree to a Brexit deal and there is no agreement and they just leave next March there is so much fear mongering going on right now in the European Union and Ireland because Ireland is involved in this because of Northern Ireland you have people like James Kearney who is the head of the Bank of England which is like the head of the Fed in the US Going out saying all these outrageous things about how, well, if this happens, you'll have this in the economy and the economy will go down and you'll have this amount of unemployment and this amount of inflation. And what's amazing to me is no matter how many people or how many times economists say things, and this is not an English thing, this is an English thing, an Irish thing, an American thing. Economists have this really long track record, and I mean really long. Regardless of their race, regardless of their education, it doesn't matter whether they're from Harvard or Oxford, 
doesn't matter their experience, it doesn't matter their age, it doesn't matter their ideology, it doesn't matter who they voted for. They have this really impressive long track record of really sucking predicting what's going to happen. Like, really bad. And the reason is, you can't predict what an economy is going to do. You can say what might happen, but if you think of all the purchases that go into an economy... And little impulse buys. And whether you spend money or whether you save money. Or whether you get a pay increase. Or whether there's jobs. You think of all those individual decisions. You can say there's certain indicators. We can't say for sure what's going to happen. And you sure as hell can't say, well, if you do this, you're going to have this amount of unemployment. You might hope to it and that might be your goal. Or that might be the worst case scenario. But you can't say. Economists are great at telling you what went wrong. They're like, you know, if a, let's just say... Trying to come up with an example. You know, your house burns down. Really bad example, I apologize. They're the person who comes to you and go, you know why your house burned down? You, you, you had a candle, and it was beside the drapery, and the drapery went up, and then there was the drapery was right beside the alcoholic section, and boom, the house went on fire. They're the, they're the best people to come and tell you what went wrong. Like I would listen to economists talk about what happened in 2008. They're great. They'll tell you exactly. They go, bum, 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 bum. When it comes to predicting, they're really, really bad. What else is going to happen? There is a chance you have a new prime minister. New party, new elections. There is a chance you have chaos. There is a chance you have chaos in the United Kingdom. There is a chance, and I hope, just if you think about every, everything I've laid out, there is a chance bad things happen. And when I say bad things, let me be crystal clear. Here is what I think could happen. And this is not a prediction. This is just a scenario. This is like a scenario, maybe conspiracy theory. I will label it that. Earlier on, I said to you, there is a chance the EU and the United Kingdom could come together and extend Article 50 for months or years. There is a chance they come together and make that deal. And let's say, you know, oh, look, we need the time to deal with this. You know, we can't find the right bill. Parliament won't agree with it. European Union can't agree. We just can't get on the right page. 2019 is not going to happen. Let's be realistic. Let's sit down and get the best deal possible for the European Union. Let's get the best deal possible for Britain. And let's just, let's just take our time with this. Let's make sure something of this magnitude needs to be done the right way. Let's set a deadline of like, I don't know, 2024. 2026 let's make sure let's not rush into anything what is that going to do to the british people is that going to make their voices feel like they're heard or is that going to make your feet them feel like you know what doesn't matter how i vote it does not matter how i vote because you're going to do whatever the hell you want anyway i have no control over my country what happens when you have that feeling right there what happens when that is even a chance of happening that is one option. What happens is, and this is where we're going to take a break and we're going to go to another European country. What could happen is what's happening in France right now. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back.
Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on social media, Twitter, Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 Also, a big shout-out to everyone who's ordered hoodies and T-shirts for Christmas. They make great Christmas gifts. There are eight different designs, and 100% of the profits go to Mercury One. So thank you so much for everyone who has taken part so far. And if you haven't got your hoodie yet, they make great Christmas gifts. Freedomsdisciple.com slash store. There's great hoodies there. Freedom, not freebies. America is great because Americans are good. Um, many different designs, Team Freedom, but the laws of the day, um, Freedom's Disciple hoodies, beautiful hoodies, just check them out, go check them out please, and if you know anyone who's wanting to get involved, please consider sharing the link with them, all 100% of the profits go to Mercury One. So I want to talk to you about what's happening in France, and what's happening and what's going to happen in France, the potential, because there is actually chaos happening in France right now. Major, major chaos. And the first thing we have to understand is there's an opportunity right now. And I'm going to talk to you about this opportunity in the next segment. What's happening in France is French people are not happy. One of the things they are not happy about is how their country is run. And one specific issue they are not happy with is increases in taxes on fuel for the cars, and also electricity. It is not going down very well. Now, bear in mind, these taxes are not just to fund the government. No, 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 no. You see, these taxes are good, noble taxes. It's not like just to fund Macron and his buddies. It's not. No, 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 no. These taxes are to stop you using fossil fuels, because fossil fuels are the enemy. These taxes are to stop you, you know, wasting energy to be, you know, to get you to reduce your dependency on on fossil fuels, these taxes are good and noble in their intent. These taxes are to help stop climate change. That is what we were told. Well, what happens? Over the last couple of weeks, and we spoke about this on last week's show, people were going to France and doing things. And what were they doing? Well, they were burning things, they were vandalizing things, they were throwing things at police, they were demonstrating just causing a lot of damage and there was a lot of injuries there was a lot of arrests there's a lot of vandalism paris in certain places has been called a war zone not my words they were quoted words from many journalists now those same journalists didn't cop on and do a bit of research and kind of go hey why are these people really upset about climate change and stuff like that they never dig deep but that's what they called it this week president macron has made a u-turn which has given a victory to the yellow shirt, yellow vest protesters. He caved in and he suspended the fuel tax hikes that were coming in January. Now, let's just play along with this for a few minutes. Let's just, you know, let's cover two, you know, cover two issues at once. I thought this was climate chaos. I, I saw David Attenborough there this week, you know, well, you know, we have to act now or it's before it's too late. Forget the fact that, you know, a couple of years ago there was the 500 days of climate chaos. The point of no return. You had all these movements. Then you have these taxes that are not just taxes to fund the government. These are taxes to save our planet. Our planet is getting to a point where we will not survive. A few people burn a few things, vandalism, which I'm not supporting, I think is wrong. I said this last week and I will say this till I'm blue in the face. If you have an issue, I don't care. Abortion, taxes, 
government, the constitution, and your solution is to go in the streets and start burning and vandalizing stuff and throwing stuff at police, I think you're on the wrong side. I will not stand with you. I don't care what your issue is. I believe in doing things the right way. But after a couple of weekends of turning Paris into what the media called a war zone, all of a sudden, this saving the planet malarkey? Nah, that's not important. Let's just, let's just calm down. Let's just bring it down. We're going to stop these hikes. Now, what is also very interesting, just, you know, a little tidbit on the side. There is a quote from one of the French government ministers off the records. And I quote, they, This planned six-month suspension will cost 2 billion euros, which is about $2.4 million. Sorry, $2.4 billion. And the hole this is going to create in the public finances will be funded entirely by corresponding spending cuts. Huh. Imagine that. Imagine where this isn't about global warming or about climate change or about anything else. This is about getting more money for the government to get more money into the taxpayers' funded abilities. This isn't about an issue. This is about getting more money from you. And now that they don't have that ability, they're going to have a problem. They're going to have to cut finances elsewhere. Why is this a troubling move? Why, why, why? Put yourself in a situation where you are one of these vandals. And you're one of these vandals, and you've gone to Paris over the last couple of weeks with bad intents. And you have vandalized, and you have harassed police, you've thrown police things that police, you've made Paris, as the journalists called it, a quote-unquote war zone. And Macron has now caved. He's given you a six-month suspension on this. Honest question. Are the people, would you go, okay, we got a six-month suspension. Let's go back to our normal lives, boys and girls. Or are you going to go, well, this is just a start. We want something else. We want more. Now, I don't know what else they're going to call for. But there's a lot of things they're unhappy about. When does the when does the final ultimatum stop for Macron? When does the final happen? When does the final know? What will he go? How far will he go? What will he get his government to do? One of the reports that I read this week, and again, I, I will openly admit, I'm giving this to you on what I've researched. I am not an expert on American politics or English politics or French politics. And of all the three, I know most about American politics because I've been around it so long. But if you remember the previous president who this guy replaced, Macron, replaced Hollande. And one of his big policies was a big, huge income tax, which led all the businesses to go out of France into other countries. There's a report saying that one of the things Macron is going to look at is when he got into office, he reduced it. He's looking at bringing it back up again. What do you think the the people are going to do to that? If there's a big uh, tax on high income earners, what's going to happen? Is the business going to get up or go down? Is the economy going to get better or get worse? Are people going to keep their jobs or are going to lose their jobs? And the people who are rioting right now, do you think they're more likely to pay for even the current price of gas and the current price of electricity or less likely? Just some questions to ponder.
And then if you've been willing to get violent over a tax, if you don't have a job or you don't have a chance of a job, or you're really starving, and if you've shown those tendencies in the past, are you going to be more likely or less likely to do them in the future? What is the solution to all of this? Because right now, I've given you two stories, Brexit in the United Kingdom and France and the chaos there and the potential for chaos going forward. What is the solution? What do we need to do? I'm going to tell you that after this break. But one thing I'd also ask you to think about is... Why did I tell you about these two stories? Because, John, England doesn't affect me. France doesn't affect me. I don't care what happens there. I raised these two issues. One, to give you the solutions. And two, to talk to you about, is there a chance these could happen in America? Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, a new show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. We're on all major platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, iHeart, Stitcher, OmniFM, you name it, we're there, CastBox, Stitch, Spotify, all major platforms. Just look for Freedom's Disciple. Please continue to share this show with your family and your friends. We're growing because each and every one of you, we're growing each and every week. Uh, November was our best ever month to date, which is incredible. Also, if you happen to listen on iTunes, if I could ask you a favor, please consider um, leaving a review and a rating. It helps the algorithm. And if you if you listen on any other platform, please subscribe and, and please share it with your family and your friends. Why did I talk to you about what's happening overseas and the chaos that could is happening in Paris? It could potentially get worse and the chaos that could happen in the United Kingdom. Well, let me explain to you why. And I want to talk to you about a quote. It's a quote I have on a hoodie. Not trying to flog it or sell it, but it's an important quote. And it's a quote I finish each and every week the same sh- way, the same show each and every week with this quote. America is great because Americans are good. People don't understand what I, when I say that. That has so many meanings, it's incredible. My mother hates that quote. She absolutely, I, even though I've explained it to her, she hates that quote. Because she's like, well, Irish people can be good too. English people can be good. Anyone can be good. It's not a it's not a unique thing to America. And I, even though I tried to explain it to her, she just doesn't get it. She's Irish, and she's not you know she's not like me when it comes to America. The reason that quote is so powerful, the reason that quote is so important, and it's so important to me that I remind you of it each and every week, is because it is what America is. The success and failure of America will always be down to your people. The idea of man being free. America is many ways man's greatest experiment. Because it is based on the laws of nature. It is based on nature's law and nature's God. Yes, I said God. It is based on the design that man is created equal. Man is meant to be free. And man is quite simply not meant to be tamed or controlled. But yet allowed and encouraged to pursue their happiness. To follow whatever it is their passions are. Whatever passions, whatever dreams they have. That they are allowed to follow it. 
And that it doesn't matter what race you are, or what age you are, or what your sexuality is, or what your gender is, or where you come from. This idea that if you have dreams, you should follow them. You should pursue them. You should do everything you can to make them happen. But also, when you have the Constitution, which is that framework for man allow, being allowed and been encouraged to follow their dreams, the Constitution is the reins on government. To say, you cannot have a government that is destructive, that will stop man following their dreams. America is great because Americans are good. The reason is because when I think of America, I think of Americans. When many people think of England, they think of the Queen, they think of the royal family. When you think of, you know, Iran, you think of the Ayatollah. We need to encourage the people to define their country, not their politicians. So many today in America want to be defined by President Trump. Whether he's the greatest, I've seen people call him the greatest president of all time. I've seen people call him the worst president of all time. Everything is defined by your politics, by DC, by the media. The solution is freedom. Is that great experiment your founders experimented? That great experiment that your founders, while not perfect, is the closest thing to perfection man has ever witnessed. And my God, the results have been amazing. America is so critical to the world because you are not shining light of what can happen. You are not shining light of possibility. And it is time for America to return to those principles, but also to share them with the rest of the world. Because the chaos that happened in France last week and the weekend before has happened in certain times in the United, in the, in the U.S., You've seen it with Occupy Wall Street. You've seen it with Black Lives Matter. You've seen it with different groups, Antifa. You've seen it with different groups like white supremacists. What you're seeing in the United Kingdom, where the political establishment, whether they're doing it willfully or ignorantly, you can fill in the blank, is they're suppressing the right for people to feel they have a say in their country. They are suppressing, going, you know what, I, I know you wanted Brexit, but look, this is what you got. It's this deal or nothing. They are disillusioning voters. Have you seen that in the US? You could make some argument you could. I don't know how much merit there is, but could you see it in the future? Sure. Where conservatives, I can make an argument, conservatives had this. If you're a true conservative, I don't mean a modern-day conservative, where you actually believe in the Constitution, where you actually believe in Article 1, Section 8, where you've had all these people, I'm a Constitution, I'll go to D.C. for fight for you, and time and time again they let you down. You know, it's, it's hard to be a conservative in America right now, and I mean a real conservative, where you actually believe in free trade, where you actually believe in, you know, federalism, where you actually believe in limited government, where do you actually believe in, you know, debt's not a good idea. Time and time again, the politicians have screwed you. Time and time again. Could that chaos happen in America? Absolutely. 
America is not a, a fundamentally sound economy right now. I know a lot of people don't like when I say this, but it's impossible to have a fundamentally sound economy when the federal government owes $21 trillion in your name, where you have this battle of interest rates going on right now, where you have trade battles going on right now. There's a lot of things that could lead to chaos in America. You're seeing what's happening in crypto right now. You're seeing what's happening in the Dow. There's a chance for chaos. The world right now, especially Europe, is calling out for consistency. It's saying what is working is not happening. What is happening right now is not working. Who are the voices for freedom in the United Kingdom? If the United Kingdom goes into chaos because of Brexit or because of some other issue, who is going to be the person that says, hey, guess what? There's this idea called freedom. You should try it sometime. You should try this idea of nature's law and nature's God. If when it happens in Paris and they bring up these taxes, because when it comes to France and there's so many people, and this isn't, this is not exempt to Europeans or socialists, it happens in America. The amount of people who are like, when it comes to me paying taxes, I don't like it. But when it comes to someone else, it's amazing. Someone else is always more able to pay taxes than you were. It's always someone else's, well, they're rich. They're a millionaire and a billionaire. They're a business. They can pay taxes. But me, I want to keep my money. Who's going to be the person when, if Macron actually goes ahead with the report I told you about of raising taxes and corporations? Who's going to be the voice that says no? We should let people, we want companies to be profitable. Who would dare go in America? Let's not make this about France or England. Who would dare go on mainstream media today and dare say profit is a good thing? Who who actually makes the argument profit is a good thing? We want companies to be very profitable. And the more profitable, the better. Who makes the arguments for free market economics anymore? Who makes the argument for limited government? Who makes the argument for Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution? Who is making these arguments? We must be the people that stand and make the argument for freedom. We must be the people that if you know about America's history and you know about why it is exceptional compared to the rest of the world, because it is an exceptional nation, it is different, it is unique. Who are the people going to be the ones to tell the next generation? We're not going to look down on them. We're not going to look down and say, oh, look, these college kids, they just all want socialism. They're so dumb. They're so stupid. That's the easy thing to do. Who's going to be the people to go, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about socialism. I want to talk to you about free markets. I want to talk to you about another way of life. I want to talk to you about freedom. Who's going to be the people who make that case? And yet again, I use one of my favorite sayings. If not you, who? And if not now, when? The world is going to come to a point where it's going to collectively look at each other and go, this isn't working. And we need to stand. We need to be the people who speak then. Because what you're seeing right now around the world is incredible amounts of tyranny. And nobody is taking the lead for freedom. There is no leader for freedom. Who is the leader for Asia Bibi? That Pakistani young lady who dared say anything bad about the Prophet Muhammad. Where she was convicted 
and sent to prison for eight years, eight long years on the charge of blasphemy. And the Supreme Court overruled her sentence and is now looking for an asylum. And Britain said, ah, look, you know, we, you know, we need to help someone else give her an asylum. Where's America on this? And by the way, in case you're thinking, well, there it goes. Why does John always have to, you know, get on President Trump? I'm not getting on President Trump. I include him in this. Where's Mike Lee? Where's Ted Cruz? Where's Rand Paul? Where's Paul Ryan? Where's Kevin McCarthy? Where's Mitch McConnell? Where's Nancy Pelosi? Where's Chuck Schumer? Where's anyone? What's happening? About Who's outraged about what's happening in China? The underground church, the Uyghurs. Uyghurs aren't Christian, by the way. The underground Christian church in China. Where China is and Google are getting involved. Where Amnesty International, kudos to you. I don't side with you very on many, many issues. But kudos to you on calling for Google to stop getting in bed with Chinese censorship. Where is the people calling for freedom right now? What you're seeing is the world on this slow, never-ending path to more and more tyranny, more and more control. I grew up learning history in Europe about World War II, and all the time I heard these people saying, never again is now, never again, never again, never again. Is never again just a slogan that we trot out every time to make ourselves feel good? Is never again just something we say? Is it just some fancy crash phrase that sounds and poll tests really well? That just, oh yeah, never again, John, never again. Or are we actually going to mean it? Are we actually going to stand... And I don't mean stand in an election. I don't mean stand and vote for the next politician. I mean actually, truly stand. And actually make the argument. And not be the generation where people do things by force and we compel you to think a certain way. And if you don't think a certain way, we're going to silence you. Are we actually going to be the people who make the case for freedom? Where we have so much potential as men, as women... We are incredible human beings at times. You look at the things we have innovated. We have great potential inside each and every one of us. But are we actually willing to stand and do the hard work? And make the arguments? And actually truly mean never again? And actually stand the tide against tyranny? No matter what form it comes in. That is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Because I saw so many people in America this week celebrating how great and how proud it was when the French protesters were going, We need Donald Trump. You need a president? Really? That's going to solve everything? Look, this is not about Donald Trump. Let's make this about my, my idol, George Washington. I don't think a man has ever lived... If you include Jesus Christ as a man, I say then George Washington was number two. I don't think a man has ever lived has come close to George Washington. The way he lived his life, the achievements he did, what a great president he was. I would be to say the same thing if French people were going, we need George Washington. What? So your answer is eight years of George Washington and then all your problems are solved? 
We need to stop these papering over the cracks about we just need to win an election or we just need this president or we need Donald Trump in 2020 or we need Donald Trump in Paris. No. Do you know what we need to do? They may all be important. You all love politics and you all want to vote a certain way. Good for you. I encourage you to follow that. But we have to understand one fundamental thing. That only gives you a respite. And I don't care who your favorite president, even if they were shouting Ronald Reagan. We need Ronald Reagan. Great, you have him for eight years. Guess what happens? Progressives will wait you out. And then in eight years, when your great president has then done his two terms, they will progress forward again. They have shown they have patience. That's just papering over a crack. One man can't solve it. Why? Because I take you right back to the start of what I just spoke about at the start of this segment. America is great not because of Donald Trump, not because of George Washington, not because of Ronald Reagan, not because of who's in Congress, but because of your people. It is what separates you from the rest of the world. Your country, you've had 45 presidents. How many could be considered good? Let's be honest. Good. Not great, good. Because there's a lot of presidents in your country, and I would say at least 50%, and I'm being very generous when I say 50%, were really bad. Or, uh, and on both sides of the aisle. Are there presidents I like that did really bad things? You know, John Adams comes to mind. The Alien Sedition Act. Yeah, I, you, I thought you were a decent guy, but you were dead wrong on that. First time the Constitution was violated. We have to make the case, not for people. People come and go. Politicians come and go. Parties even come and go. Principles are forever. We have to make the case for freedom. We have to make the case for free markets. We need to make the case for just leaving people alone. For letting them pursue their happiness. And yes, sometimes they will fail. Many times they will fail. We need to encourage people. Because the world is going to an event. It's getting into chaos. It's growing towards tyranny. And then what will happen? Some iron-fisted man will stand up and do things that we don't like. And maybe another world war happens. And then we'll start our catchphrase again. Never again. Never again. And then a couple of years later we'll get tired of saying that. Or we'll just say it and not mean it. When will we learn from our past? And I'll leave you with this, and it is a political point. Who are the political leaders in England? Who are the great political leaders in France? Who are the great political leaders around the world? Where's your Ronald Reagan? Where's your Margaret Thatcher? Where's your Pope John Paul? And the reason I use them is because they were the last great leaders that had a big adversary in the Cold War. Where are the great leaders? Because I don't see them around the world. I'm sorry, I don't see this Pope as a great leader. Don't see it. I don't see Theresa May as some great leader. I don't see Jeremy Corbyn. We need to raise men and women who are leaders. We need to encourage them. And we also need to understand, yes, there's a need for political leaders, but there's also a lead, a room for leaders in society. Where's your Franklin Graham today? Where's your Martin Luther King? Where's your Gandhi? That is what we need to do. I don't know where they are, but we need to encourage them. We need to educate them. And we need to share a message. A message 
that encourages people to say never again is now, but also to live it. To stand for principles. To live the American dream. The dream your founders wanted. The dream your founders fought and many died for. That is what I believe needs to happen. And for me, and for my part, as one man, and one microphone, I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. Because the principles your founders did, and explored, called nature's law, nature's God, are what the world needs. And I believe we will do it. I believe we will get to that point where we will win. And freedom will win. I hope this show has given you something to think about. I urge you to really consider this and share this show with all your family and your friends. Especially the last part about the solutions. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern America. We do. We finish this show the way we always do. Saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. And most importantly I salute you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. You're not great because of D.C. or the White House or any of your 45 presidents. You're great because of you. And you change the world, each and every one of you. And you can and you must do it again. God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.